0: Hey, you guys, and welcome back to the news du jour, a calmer space to consume the news. There has been so much going on this week, and there are some bigger, like, global international issues that I would like to touch on, but they keep getting kicked to the back burner because we have more, like, kind of pressing stories or stuff that's just, like, of the moment we have to discuss. And that's kind of what happened today. But I'm hoping for tomorrow's episode, we can end off the week with some really important international stories. But anywho, today there has been a lot going on going on, on Capitol Hill. Well, I guess I should say in the past couple days, there's been a lot going on on Capitol Hill and we need to talk about it. It has been busy and full of drama. We have a number of smaller stories to go over and then we will jump into our Israel and Gaza updates. Let's jump into it. So first and foremost, the House passed a plan to avert a government shutdown. They basically passed the buck yet again. Led by the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, they narrowly passed another stopgap measure to further postpone voting on a budget. This will put them into the new year. But in Capitol Hill time, this is right around the corner, you guys. And before then, Mr. Nice Guy, Mike Johnson, is going to have to figure out how to wrangle those loose cannons that he has underneath him. Because with this vote to pass the buck, who saved him? It wasn't his own party No, no. It was the Democrats who swooped in to get the votes to get this passed. There is literally so much Republican infighting right now that it has led to actual physical fighting. And no, I'm not kidding. That brings us to our next tidbit when it comes to Capitol Hill. There have been two physical altercations on Capitol Hill this week. And As I always say, you guys, I can't make this shit up. Capitol Hill is always my entertainment for the week, but this one really tops the charts of my favorite Capitol Hill moments of 2023. Two different physical attacks, if you can call them that, by Republicans have gone down in the past 24 hours. The tension levels among this party may be at an all-time high, you guys, as they are now spilling over into the hallways, into physical blows. As the New York Times put it, quote, the fight club has erupted on Capitol Hill, end quote. I get such a giggle out of these things, even if they do make us kind of look ridiculous on the world stage. But let's break down what happened. So the first physical altercation was between Kevin McCarthy, the ousted Speaker of the House, and a guy named Tim Burchett, who is a Republican from Tennessee. The two have a bit of they disagreements. Let's put it that way. You know, McCarthy always says Burchett is just looking for press and he's not there to really support conservative values and things of that nature. According to NPR, who had a reporter in the hallway at the time interviewing Burchett, they said that Kevin McCarthy went out of his way to knock himself into Burchett and basically push him up against the wall as he was giving this interview. Now, it may be easy to think that this was an accident or maybe a misinterpretation, but the thing is, Kevin McCarthy has actually been accused of similar interactions in the past with other lawmakers. He has a history of this type of petty, hostile behavior. And with the NPR reporter right there to interpret McCarthy's actions herself, she agreed with Burchett that McCarthy went out of his way to push him. But Burchett said of McCarthy, quote, he's the type of guy when you're a kid would throw a rock over the fence and then run home to hide behind his mama's skirt, end quote. So clearly, Burchett is not threatened by McCarthy's passive aggressions. In the second incident, It was behavior by a good old boy from Oklahoma. And let me tell you, apparently they are now acting the same on the Hill as they do right here at home. The Senate was performing a hearing with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, which is basically a giant labor union. New Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, it's crazy to even be saying that, he's a friend of mine's cousin. He had been feuding with the group's leader online, and he read some of the leader, Tim O'Brien's, hostile words out loud during this hearing. Mark Wayne then turns to him and says, quote, Sir, this is a time, this is a place, we can do it here, end quote. Tim responds unblinking, quote, okay, perfect. I'd love to do it right here, right now, end quote. Everyone in the room is interpreting this as a call for a fight. And one or both of them was like standing up to take off their jacket. And it looked like they were about to lunge at one another or like go outside to fight one another. Either way, it looked like a fight was literally like seconds from going down. And Bernie Sanders, of all people, is sitting right there and intervenes. And he looks at Mark Wayne with his hand out and says, You are a United States Senator sit down, end quote. I cannot make this shit up. The fact that Bernie was the mediator, the the grand peacekeeper in the Senate, when a fistfight almost broke out with a U.S. senator involved. I mean, the fact that we have devolved to this place is absolutely comical to me. And it's just, it's mind blowing, but it's also hilarious. I just, I can't believe we're here. But again, this is the exact type of behavior that if you're from Oklahoma, you are very used to seeing and the fight would have actually happened. But thank God for Bernie. We have some dignity intact thanks to him. Um, Anywho, I think then from there the fight went back online. I think you know I think Mark Wayne maybe like posed with some ammunition or some guns potentially and was you know showing them to Tim O'Brien online afterwards it just it continued to spiral from there so I don't know where things stand at this point it's been kind of hard to keep up with because it just happened but had to update you guys on all of this absurdity. And then to continue with our Capitol Hill news, we do have a couple of stories about President Biden and unfortunately, the $10 billion transfer to Iran. I am still looking into that and learning about that. So that's not going to be on today's episode. But in case you guys saw something about that and were like, what the actual fuck? I had the same reaction. I'm very alarmed by it, and I'm looking into it, and that will definitely be in tomorrow's episode, but I have a couple um, other stories to tell you about. First and foremost, Biden was meeting with China's leader Xi Jinping in San Francisco, and this is is a meeting that is basically about meeting. So they haven't had strong diplomatic ties because of all these tensions. And the two of them wanted to get together to discuss getting together more. So that's basically where things ended up. The one thing that was decided on was President Biden was asking that Xi Jinping do more to prevent the creation of fentanyl, um, essentially because that's how it then gets here to the United States and is killing our citizens long story short NPR reported this morning that President Trump made a similar kind of deal with Xi Jinping in the past and nothing was really done about the fentanyl and so it'll be interesting to see if more actions are put in place under this agreement with President Biden And the second piece of news, I thought this was so interesting. I've seen this for a while and haven't been able to fit it into an episode. But environmentalists are spending $80 million on President Biden's campaign. So environmentalists actually think that Biden is doing a phenomenal job at tackling the climate crisis. But what they don't think he's doing a good job at is explaining that to the public. So an advocacy group called Climate Power has announced that they are actually pouring $80 million directly into Biden's, not directly into Biden's campaign, but to an advertising campaign for him for president. They are designing the campaign themselves because they want to showcase what he has done to help our environment since he has been in office and help him get reelected so that he can continue this fight and this important work. So I thought that was super interesting. And I'm going to be looking out for those commercials. And now, without further ado, we will go ahead and jump into our Israel-Gaza updates. And for today, you guys, we're going to focus on one subject, and that is the El Shifa hospital raid. So during this story, we are going to be referencing a video and claims made by the Israeli Defense Forces, and I'm just going to call them on here, IDF for short. So far, here is what we know about the Al-Shifa hospital raid. Eyewitnesses told the BBC that Israeli troops were in complete control of the facility, that there was no shooting, which is positive, obviously. They also told the BBC that Israeli forces were interrogating staff as well as patients in the building. The eyewitness then told the BBC that they asked all men ages 16 to 40, to exit the facility and wait in the hospital courtyard. The forces then called for the surrender of all of Hamas members who were in there, according to the eyewitness for the BBC. The IDF then said that they facilitated safe evacuations for everyone inside, providing incubators for the babies, baby food, and badly needed medical supplies. The IDF said that it did engage with several Hamas terrorists inside the hospital and killed them. The IDF also claimed to have found a command center that included weaponry as well as technology. In a seven-minute video released by the IDF, they walk through the hospital with no editing of the video. You know, it's not like sort of spliced up. It's one long video thread, kind of, if you will. Um, So that they couldn't be accused of like shuffling things around and editing things out, stuff like that. So it was unedited, just like one long stream of a tour around part of the hospital. This seven minute video showed the international community what they claimed to have found when they raided the hospital. Automatic weapons stockpiled in closets grab bags full of ammunition hidden behind MRI machines, live grenades, fighting vests with insignias, and backpacks with computers showing the plans for the October 7th attacks. It is pretty damning evidence showing that Hamas was, at a minimum, storing weapons at the hospital, if not fully operating their terrorist organization out of it, knowing full well that this is against international law as it puts civilians at risk. This is the perfect place to hide. Obviously, no news outlet around the world, let alone me, um, is able to verify that these videos are accurate or that the statements are true. But this is what the Israeli leadership and the eyewitnesses had to say about this event. The main question here is what did the hospital staff know and when? I guess that's not the main question, but that is an important question in my opinion. They have been interviewed by the international press, major outlets like NPR, New York Times, BBC and more have interviewed doctors during this hospital crisis in Gaza at Al-Shifa as this is unfolded and each time that they were asked, do you know of any Hamas fighters who are operating out of the hospitals or operating out of the hospital you're working at? They either denied it flat out or said things like, I'm not Hamas. I can talk to you about cancer, but I can't talk to you about what Hamas is doing or not doing. So it definitely felt evasive. And like the staff members at the hospital may have been helping to conceal these breaches of international law because If the IDF is being truthful in where they found things, you know, there were just ammunition, bags full of ammunition behind an MRI machine. Like, they're going to see those things if they work at the hospital. It is completely illegal, obviously, to operate a military base out of a hospital for reasons that we are now seeing play out. Israel will have to explain itself for this raid, but... It looks like they have ample evidence as to why they were doing this, and maybe they can finally rest their case when it comes to Hamas using Palestinian civilians as human shields. And that for today is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, The truth is still the truth, even if no one believes it. A lie is still a lie, even if everyone believes it. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugar free media. And that is also linked in our show notes. You can follow us on social media at newsdujour.podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. You can follow my personal account at itsannybowls on both platforms as well. Any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup. He has a little separation anxiety and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from...